European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 37, Issue 9, Focus Issue on Ethics, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Luscher. Ethical Matters, How to Cope in a Changing Environment. Ethical issues have moved to centre stage in medicine and cardiology, in particular with the increasing diagnostic and therapeutic possibilities, the economization of medicine and drug and device development, as well as cultural changes in society at large. Furthermore, pressure on publishing, low acceptance rates with prestigious journals, as well as fierce competition for grants, has contributed to an increase in scientific misconduct, and therefore attractions of published papers. While a previous editorial focused on good publishing practice, an editor's note in this issue entitled Conflicts of Interest and the Truth of Scientific Discovery and Editor's Perspective by the editor-in-chief Thomas F. Luscher from the University Hospital Zurich in Switzerland addresses financing of research and its influence on the validity of scientific findings. The main message of this viewpoint is that the scientific process is full of conflicts, be they of an intellectual professional, personal, or financial nature, and authors, reviewers, and editors, as well as readers alike, should be aware of them. Transparency certainly helps to be aware of them and to avoid unbalanced conclusions. However, conflicts do not provide a basis to assess the truth and future value of findings. Only the test of time, the lack of falsification by other scientists, as well as successful use in clinical practice, will provide proof a fact that has been partially forgotten in this heated debate. In a further article, How Can the European Society of Cardiology Ensure Compliance with Ethical Standards? Martin L. Simons, Professor Emeritus of Erasmus University in Rotterdam and former President of the European Society of Cardiology, ESC, leads a discussion with 12 former, present and future ESC presidents on ethical issues related to patient care, research and publishing, as well as the handling of finances and funding in hospitals and universities and industry relations. He proposes a series of actions to assure appropriate ethical standards in the medical profession at large, and the ESC in particular, with the aim that allied health professionals and scientists act according to the highest professional standards. The fact that collaboration between universities and pharmaceutical companies is essential for innovation in medicine is discussed in a current opinion entitled Academic Industrial Collaboration in the Development of the First Angiotensin Receptor Blocker Neprilysin Inhibitor in the Treatment of Heart Failure by Eugene Braunwald from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. The importance of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system has been established by Robert Tigestet, Eduardo Brown Menendez, Edgar Harbour, and John Vane, while the inhibitor was developed by David Cushman and Miguel Ondetti in the Squibb laboratories. Similarly, the natriuretic peptides and their role in the regulation of arterial pressure and fluid volume in both health and disease has been discovered by Alfredo de Bold at the Ottawa Heart Institute and subsequently implemented into clinical practice, while later analogies and inhibitors of neprilysin came from industry. As it turned out, both systems and the drugs that they led to changed cardiovascular medicine, particularly in hypertension and heart failure. 
Another ethical aspect of the involvement of industry in medicine is discussed in a special article, Improving Clinical Trials for Cardiovascular Disease, a position paper from the Cardiovascular Roundtable of the European Society of Cardiology. The authors note, based on a workshop of the Cardiovascular Roundtable series of the European Society of Cardiology, that the pharmaceutical industry's willingness to invest in cardiovascular medicine has declined because of the many challenges involved with bringing new drugs to the market, including late-stage failures, such as recently, with lipid-modifying anti-diabetic drugs, and agents supposedly limiting reperfusion injury, escalating regulatory requirements, bureaucracy of the clinical trial business enterprise, and limited patient access after approval. This contrasts with the remaining burden of cardiovascular disease in Europe and in the world. Thus, clinical cardiovascular research needs to adapt to address the impact of these challenges in order to ensure development of new cardiovascular medicines. One of the ethical issues in medicine is how to manage patients with genetic diseases and their family members. For instance, the combination of variable expression, age-related penetrance, and unpredictable arrhythmic events complicates the management of relatives of arrhythmogenic right ventricular dysplasia slash cardiomyopathy, or ARVC, patients. In their research paper, Approach to Family Screening in Arrhythmogenic Right Ventricular Dysplasia slash Cardiomyopathy, Harry Krishna Tandri and colleagues from Johns Hopkins Medicine in Baltimore aim to determine predictors of ARVC diagnosis and to optimize arrhythmic risk stratification among 274 first-degree relatives. One-third of relatives were diagnosed with ARVC according to 2010 task force criteria. Siblings had a three-fold increased risk of ARVC compared to parents and children. Multivariable logistic regression identified symptoms, being a sibling, presence of a pathogenic mutation, and female sex, as predictors. During seven years of follow-up, 8% of the relatives experienced a sustained ventricular arrhythmia. While being a sibling was a predictor of ARVC, neither being related to the proband nor a malignant family history was associated with arrhythmic events. Meeting task force criteria independent of family history criteria had higher prognostic value for arrhythmias than conventional 2010 task force criteria, which include family history. The authors conclude that one-third of first-degree relatives develop manifest ARVC. Siblings have the highest risk of disease, even after correcting for age and sex. Fulfillment of task force criteria, independent of family history, is superior to conventional task force criteria for arrhythmic risk stratification of relatives. Another difficult issue is the impact of suicide loss on family members and how to manage such events as a physician. In their research paper, Suicide Loss, Changes in Medical Care Utilization and Hospitalization for Cardiovascular Disease and Diabetes Mellitus, Chang-Soo Kim and colleagues from the Yonsei University College of Medicine in Seoul, Republic of Korea, investigated the effect of suicide loss on risks for cardiovascular disease and diabetes mellitus in 4,253 suicide completers and 9,467 non-bereaved family members. Among subjects with a past history of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, or psychiatric disorders, the risk of recurrent hospitalizations increased for both conditions. 
In subjects with a past history of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, or psychiatric disorders, the number of medical care visits decreased after a suicide loss, and suicide completers' family members showed lower rates of hospitalization for these conditions. The authors conclude that compared to non-bereaved family members, suicide completers' family members, without a past history of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, or psychiatric disorder, showed a high risk of hospitalization for those conditions. Depression is prevalent in cardiovascular patients at large, and in adults with congenital heart disease in particular. However, limited data on the frequency of antidepressant drug therapy and its impact on outcome are available in this patient population. In their paper, Depression Requiring Antidepressant Drug Therapy in Adult Congenital Heart Disease, Prevalence, Risk Factors, and Prognostic Value, Gerhard Paul Diller, and colleagues from the University Hospital of Munster in Germany, investigated 6,162 congenital heart disease patients, of which 3.3% were treated with antidepressants. Twice as many female patients used antidepressants. Two-thirds were treated with selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and 17% received tricyclic antidepressants. The percentage of patients on antidepressants increased with disease complexity and age, during 11 years, 8.2% died. After propensity score matching, antidepressants were associated with worse outcome in male congenital heart disease patients. However, there was no evidence that this was related to antidepressants, QT prolongation, or malignant arrhythmias. However, males taking antidepressants were also more likely to misschedule follow-up appointments compared to untreated counterparts, while no such difference in clinical attendance was seen in females. Diller and colleagues conclude that the use of antidepressants therapy in congenital heart disease relates to gender, age, and disease complexity. Although twice as many female patients were on antidepressants, it was their male counterparts who were at increased mortality risk on therapy. Furthermore, males on antidepressants had worse adherence to scheduled appointments suggesting the need for special medical attention and possibly psychosocial intervention for this group of patients. In the last paper, Temporal Trends and Changing Profile of Adults with Congenital Heart Disease Undergoing Heart Transplantation, Sarah Cohen from the Hôpitaux de Paris in France documented outcomes in 97 adults with congenital heart disease undergoing heart transplantation. A quarter of patients had biventricular physiology with a systemic right ventricle and about half univentricular physiology. Disease severity was classified as great complexity in 74%, moderate in 22%, and simple in 4%. Within two and a half years, 44 patients died with an early mortality of 34% and survival at one year of 64%. The authors conclude that despite a worse risk profile, Mortality after heart transplantation in congenital heart disease did not increase over time. Improving survival of complex congenital heart disease might amplify the proportion of complex recipients with more advanced disease. This manuscript is accompanied by an expert editorial by Volkert Maibom from the Dijkzicht Hospital in Utrecht, the Netherlands. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.